Madam Clerk. Oral questions by members? Member for Peace River South. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. So, so for years, the NDP have scapegoated foreigners. Uh, they've unleashed a blizzard, blizzard of taxes that have done absolutely nothing around housing affordability. The NDP have said increased taxes actually would help solve uh, the affordability crisis, but now they've been forced to talk about basic economics. And I quote, no tax policy is going to put a roof over someone's head, end quote. And that's not me saying it this time. It's actually the Minister of Housing who's finally agreed that this is an issue. After five years of the NDP's failure on this file, housing prices are now at an all-time high. The NDP have basically just given up on the middle class in the province of British Columbia. So will the Premier finally admit today that he has failed to deliver on his housing promises? Attorney General and Minister Responsible for Housing. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and, uh, and I'd like to welcome uh, the new critic for housing uh, to the job. I am very glad uh, for a question on housing. Um, our government has been doing a lot of work uh, on housing, as the member knows. And I think, rightly, uh, we brought in demand-side measures on international money in our housing market, on people who were leaving homes vacant, uh, not renting them out, and using them as investments. Now, I understand that the other side of the House disagrees with that. They, they, they think people should be able to use homes as investment. In fact, they just elected a speculator as the leader of their party. So, <laughs> we, have some, we have some differences there, but where I don't think we have differences is around the need for more housing in our province. Our province is uh, incredibly successful in attracting people from other provinces and other countries to come and move here. We have a 94% increase in interprovincial migration, people coming to BC. We have a 200% plus increase in people from other countries coming to BC because BC has a successful economy that works for everybody. Now, with that success comes challenges. We need to build the housing for the folks who are coming. We're on the right path. Uh, we ha have the most New housing units registered since 2002, since BC started collecting data on this, 53,189 starts, of which 12,899 are rental. But we have a lot more work to do, Honourable Speaker. Member for Peace River South, supplemental. Well, what I'll agree with is they have a lot of work to do because they've done nothing to help the middle class people actually afford and get into a home. I mean, Mr. Speaker, the, the member from Chilliwack, member from Chilliwack last year in one of his first speeches as an NDP member even said that and admitted Members, let's listen to the that question, he will be please. probably the last generation in the province of British Columbia to own a home. That shows how be much quiet. attention this government is giving to this most important issue for the people of British Columbia when they themselves have basically abandoned the policies, abandoned the idea of of home affording uh, for people in the province of British Columbia. Look, the minister can stand up and say all he wants. The facts are the facts. People are not able to afford to get into homes in British Columbia. Highest increases we have ever seen for home affordability. And now we have parents like Sandra McMillan and Conan Odell from Saanich 
right here in the Premier's backyard who are unable to afford a place. In fact, they're being kicked out this Saturday because they can't afford a place right in the Premier's backyard to rent. So what is the Premier going to do for Sandra and Conan and other people and other families and other young people in the province of British Columbia that can't afford to get into the housing market under this government? Attorney General. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, this is a really serious issue, and I appreciate the member asking questions about this. But, I mean, it's not like he just came here from outer space. He was there when the other side of the House committed to 26,990 housing starts for this year, a number that our government has doubled. Wow. I mean, he, he was there, and the leader of their party was there when they only built 160 units of housing for students over 16 years. We've got 5,000 built or under construction right now. We've got more than that at one site. We've committed to... Members. We've committed to 114,000 affordable housing units, of which half are either... Members, the question was already asked. So please be quiet and listen to the answer. Of which half are complete or under development. And we know what they did at Little Mountain. They bulldozed affordable housing and yeah. left it as vacant lots. For big donors, Honourable Speaker, we know how they ran housing. We're doing it differently, and we're doing the work. Leader of the official opposition. Well, thank you very much. And the Minister of Housing can stand up and spout numbers all he wants. It's taken him. organizations to figure out what exactly he should be doing about supply. Maybe he should have thought about that uh, previously. Let's look at this government's track record. Let's just look. The NDP have allowed the housing crisis to balloon all over British Columbia. Oh, well, the minister can shake his head, but let's look at this. In Langley, for example, a detached home is up 43% in one year. That's this minister's record. In Surrey, average prices are up over 40% in one year. And the biggest Surrey increase is in North Surrey, up over 51% in one single year. So while housing costs skyrocket all across the province, and particularly in Surrey, what do we hear from the MLAs from Surrey? Nothing. Sitting there in silence as the, the dream of home ownership becomes the impossible dream. So to the minister, when is he going to stop with the empty rhetoric and actually put some measurable outcomes in place? Attorney General. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. I mean, I was the housing critic. I sat on that side. Well, this side of the House, when the B.C. Liberals were in power, let the housing market get out of control with international money, empty homes. 18,000 people are now living in homes that were previously vacant because of our speculation of vacancy tax. But they opposed. Now, we 
had to drag them to the table about measuring international money in our housing market. Oh, don't worry, it's not a problem. We won't help you build that wall. 18% of the homes in Richmond sold to international buyers. 16% in Burnaby. And once they got those numbers, Honourable Speaker, then they rushed in attacks trying to do something at the tail end. That's not our way. We are not rushing solutions. We're acting quickly. We're acting quickly. We're acting quickly. We're acting quickly and responsibly. We were elected to address housing, and 114,000 affordable units is what we committed to, Honourable Speaker. And we are delivering those. People are moving in today. Members. Now I understand this makes the other side. Members, listen to the answer, please. This makes the other side uncomfortable because they were the ones who created this problem that we're fixing. Leader of the official opposition, supplemental. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, the person who's uncomfortable in this house should be the minister who took five years to actually figure out there's a supply side to the argument. That's what this minister should be uncomfortable about. And let's be clear, they have not done one single thing to help a family that has the dream of a new home in British Columbia. In fact, it's gotten worse. And this minister, let's be clear, all he's done is look for scapegoats, tried to score cheap political points. That's what his record is. And let's be clear, families in British Columbia are paying the price. Valma and her partner Darcy, their six-year-old, and their six-year-old daughter Lydia and their two dogs have been living in the Hotel Z in Victoria while trying to avoid homelessness. They can't find an affordable place to live under this government, and they have until the 16th until they are out of options. So maybe the minister can stand up in this answer and speak to Valma and maybe explain to her why they are struggling to find a place that's affordable for her family to live in. Minister. Minister. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, the reason why this family and many families are struggling to find affordable housing is because for 16 years... <laughs> the, previous, the previous government... Members. When a question is asked, the BC Liberal let's government, have the courtesy to listen to the answer, please. Please, continue. The previous Liberal government believed that the market would solve the housing problems, and it didn't. It didn't. Government has to build affordable housing. That's why we've committed to building 114,000 units. That's why we're delivering it. Well, while the other uh, side was in government, homelessness tripled, Honourable Speaker. Uh, they had 2,000 supportive housing uh, units in development or under construction. We had now over 10 times that amount. In 16 years, they built 130 units of student housing. What have we done, Honourable Speaker? Members, five, five, order, please. We've, we've capped. We've order. Capped. Minister, just, minister, just be quiet. We are using the really precious time in the question period, so please have some order. Minister will continue. Imagine passing a bill, Honourable Speaker, for tenants that says we're going to establish an enforcement unit to protect tenants and landlords against bad actors and then never funding that enforcement unit. That's what the other government did. We actually funded that unit to protect tenants and landlords 
We capped rent increases to inflation. We froze rent increases to 0% during the pandemic. We provide tenants protection from being rent evicted, things that the other side wouldn't even contemplate to protect tenants. And now they stand up and say they're in favor of affordability and protecting tenants? Are you kidding me, Honorable Speaker? Leader of the third party. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. The World Health Organization states, and I quote, COVID can spread in poorly ventilated and or crowded indoor settings where people tend to spend long periods of time. This is because aerosols can remain suspended in the air or travel further than conversation distance. This is often called long-range aerosol or long-range airborne transmission. My question for you, Honourable Speaker, is to the Minister of Health. Does he agree with the World Health Organization that COVID is an airborne virus? Minister of Health. Uh, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. Uh, I think uh, the member will know uh, from the beginning of the pandemic, uh, Dr. Henry, our public health teams, the Ministry of Health, have consistently advised people that outdoors is safer than indoors, that we need to take specific action to ensure that people are protected indoors. And that's why we've had all of the measures that have happened over time, including a mask mandate that continues to this day, including the BC vaccine card that continues to this day and will continue for some months to come, that includes other public health measures to limit capacity and to limit transmission. Consistently over that time, that has been the case because outdoors is safer than indoors. And the advice in this question has been repeatedly answered by Dr. Henry in that regard. It's, it's that we have to continue to take the steps necessary to protect one another and to protect people's health in a global pandemic. And that's what we'll continue to do. Leader of the third party, supplemental. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. And it's strange to me that um, we can't just have the simple phrase, COVID is an airborne virus. It matters because the policies and protections that the minister speaks of are moved by this recognition of it being an airborne virus. N95 masks, standards for ventilation, air filtration, measuring air quality indoors are appropriate responses to an airborne virus clear information, knowledge, and protections made available to citizens are essential in a pandemic. And yet in BC, healthcare workers and patients in hospitals have been denied access to the most basic tool for an airborne virus, which is an N95 mask. My questions for you, Honorable Speaker, is again to the Minister of Health. Will he commit to ensuring that British Columbians indeed have access to the protections that help reduce and manage an airborne virus, including N95s. Minister of Health. Uh, Honourable Speaker, uh, consistently uh, from the beginning of the pandemic, uh, British Columbians, and I mean officials in the Ministry of Health, our healthcare teams, have made extraordinary efforts to make sure that our healthcare workers have the PPE necessary to protect themselves. We have made, we have currently, for example, 
7.7 million N95 masks. Well, uh, Honorable Speaker, uh, we receive uh, a contribution uh, from the opposition House Leader, but those are in place because it is absolutely necessary to have a stockpile of masks well into the future, a lesson that was well learned when international supply lines were interrupted and traditional suppliers were unable to provide those masks in March and April of 2020. We've made an extraordinary effort to ensure that the PPE is available to keep our health workers safe, and it is used with the guidance of those who are expert in the area in public health to do so. And I think, uh, Honourable Speaker, that is the right approach. It's a, a, reproach, a approach that has protected healthcare workers, has been guided by public health, and demonstrates our commitment to support healthcare workers, a commitment that has been demonstrated in our support for those workers, both in long-term care and assisted living and in acute care and in the community from the beginning of the pandemic through a number of measures that I think are overwhelmingly supported by British Columbians and by members of this House. Member for Abbotsford West. Uh, thanks, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, for years, the, uh, the government has uh, tried to explain and blame rapidly escalating housing costs on foreigners and foreign money, and we heard another version of that uh, here this morning. Uh, more recently, confronted by the fact that the, the data simply doesn't support that assertion, we have uh, heard the government and the, uh, the minister uh, point to supply as a problem, which is good news, uh, actually, because it means we might finally be getting to the, uh, the root of the problem. But there's one assertion, Mr. Speaker, uh, that the NDP government has maintained consistently uh, throughout the years, and that is people who buy real estate for merely for the purpose of holding it as an investment uh, are engaged in a nefarious process, are bad, they are engaged in the evil enterprise of real estate speculation. And we heard the Minister of Housing uh, assert something along those lines again just a few moments ago. So imagine how surprised 220 uh, families at Meadowwood Place in Abbotsford were when they learned just before Christmas, just before Christmas, that their homes were being flipped for a quick profit by their landlord, the Insurance Corporation of British Columbia. Uh -oh. Will the minister confirm that ICBC purchased these 220 homes in January of 2020 only to flip them a year and a half later for a significant profit. In short, will the minister confirm that ICBC, a wholly owned crown agency, is engaged in precisely the kind of real estate speculation that he and his colleagues have regularly and roundly condemned? Attorney General. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, Honourable Speaker, um, I do think it's a problem uh, when people buy uh, residential property and homes as an investment rather than as a place to live. Um, I don't think it's a problem when large uh, institutional investors build things like purpose-built rental housing. So these are important distinctions. I, I'm not surprised you're a member that owns eight properties, uh, bring a rounding, <laughs> a powerful defense of real estate speculation to this House, Honourable Speaker. But, 
let me, let me just say that ICBC was asked to support an effort by Citizen Services in relation to the Matsqui First Nation to facilitate them in buying some property for the purposes of developing, among other things, affordable housing. ICBC supported that effort. I can also advise the member, to the best of my knowledge, ICBC owns no residential property currently. Member for Abbotsford West, supplemental. Uh, thanks, uh, uh, Mr. Speecy, uh, Mr. Speaker. Um, so, lots of glossy brochures. ICBC marketed these uh, homes as a major development opportunity. 220 affordable family homes being marketed by a Crown agency, this government's agency, as a uh, major development opportunity. There are 220 families uh, at Meadowood who would like to know what that means for them. They're calling my office. Uh, what guarantees did the uh, government and ICBC secure for those 220 families presently residing at Meadowood uh, that they won't be evicted from their homes to facilitate uh, redevelopment of the lands being flipped by this government? Minister. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. So those families, along with all families in British Columbia that are renting, are protected by the changes we made to the Residential Tenancy Act to protect tenants. These are protections that the other side knew when they were in government were badly needed. They watched uh, tenants being evicted from their homes for redevelopment, and they didn't act because uh, they had other priorities. And when the other side actually had housing owned, owned by BC Housing, the social housing provider, they sold those properties off. And the worst example of that was the Little Mountain site, where that site was bulldozed and left vacant by the private developer that they sold it to. And those families were displaced from that site. So with all due respect to the member, I will take no lessons from him about displacement. Member for Abbotsford West, second supplemental. Thanks, and, and with all due respect uh, to the minister, his uh, comments will be of more interest to the 220 families who are now left in an uncertain situation because a Crown agency, a commercial Crown corporation, uh, has uh, been involved in the real estate speculation business that he and his colleagues condemn uh, weekly, monthly, on a regular basis. ICBC is a Crown corporation. I heard the Minister uh, refer a moment ago to uh, the Matsui uh, First Nation. ICBC owned this property for a year and a half before it decided uh, to flip it. Uh, I presume the Minister agrees uh, that uh, the obligations to uh, uh, consult and, uh, and accommodate uh, First Nations around the disposition of Crown land uh, apply equally to Crown corporations, commercial Crown corporations like BC Hydro and uh, ICBC. Uh, can the Minister describe for the House uh, what consultation took place with the Matsui First Nation around this parcel of land and specifically the details of uh, any accommodation that was negotiated with the Matsui First Nation? Minister. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And to the best of my knowledge, uh, Citizen Services uh, was approached by Matsqui First Nation. They were interested in acquiring a third site for the purposes of affordable housing and other priorities of the nation. Um, and uh, Citizen Services approached ICBC to support that effort of Matsqui First Nation in acquiring that site through accommodation paid through, among other things, the sale of this property. I can advise the member, to the best of my knowledge, ICBC 
is not, as he alleges, engaging in real estate speculation, that they don't own any uh, residential property for the purposes of investment currently, uh, and that their investments are managed uh, by uh, BCI, which I think the member understands as well is independent of government for good reason. Um, and so I, I do appreciate his questions, but this facilitated the purchase of a site by Matsqui for the purposes of more affordable housing. And the tenants on the site are protected by the Residential Tenancy Act protections that this government put in place and that government did not. Member for Kamloops, not Thompson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, the 220 people or families that live there feel it's a home, feel it's res their residence, and they feel ICBC owns it because when you look, it very clearly says owner ICBC, which is a crown. And the reason perhaps the 220 families are a little bit uh, less at ease with the minister's just trust us, everything will be right with the world attitude is because the NDP are demovicting another 46 families from the Alma Blackwell residence in Vancouver through their own community housing fund. Charles is a 15-year-old who lives there with his family and he says he's not going to be able to stay in Vancouver and he's scared of losing his school, which I think we can all agree at 15 years old would be a pretty traumatic time to have to move because the government's forcing you to. These families say that after the affordable housing they live in is demolished, the NDP are going to rent it back to them at twice the price, at $3,250 per month. Why is this minister demovicting families with kids like Charles and doubling their rent? And is that what these 220 families can look forward to as well, doubled rents? Minister. Honourable Speaker, uh, the, the member, this is the second question he's asked me, uh, by the way, and, and he made similarly outrageous allegations in the last question he asked me. He never gave me a chance, and he never corrected on the record his allegations last time. Uh, first of all, uh, with respect to the building, you heard the member from Abbotsford say that it was owned for a year and a half. It was purchased in 2010, so that's simply inaccurate. Uh, <clears throat> but with respect, respect to uh, the former House leader, um, he stood up and asked me a question. He alleged that uh, we had provided uh, $16 million in low-interest loans to development in Merritt, where the developer was supposed to build affordable rental housing units, and that actually decreased the number of affordable rental housing units that were uh, going to be built at that site. I looked into it. I was concerned. I, I believed him when he stood up in this place. Uh, and in fact, uh, the City Council approved a building with no affordable housing uh, in it, and our loan actually did manifest in a significant number of affordable units at the site. So now he asks a question about a redevelopment of a site not owned by government, owned by a private housing authority, a uh, private housing society. They are redeveloping because it's a leaky condo. It was built in 1986. It can't be kept. And so we're going and we're doubling the number of affordable units. All of the tenants are guaranteed a right to return at rent geared to income. If their incomes are higher, their rents may be a little bit higher as well, but it will be rent geared to income and they're guaranteed a right to return, and BC Housing is working with them on interim housing. So his outrageous allegations in this place, he needs to fact check before he stands up. Member for Cambridge North Thompson, supplemental. Oh, thank you, Mr. Speaker, where to begin? Imagine if the government, imagine if the, Imagine, members, 
Imagine Order. if you would, Mr. Speaker, if you had a government that actually gave information in a timely fact, uh, fashion so that time <laughs> fact-checking could be done as well. Imagine if you had ministers that weren't sending out emails on decision notes ahead of actual <laughs> decisions. Imagine, just imagine what type of a government that would be in terms of transparency, Mr. Speaker. So it's interesting, though, the deflection the minister is trying to engage in. The bottom line is, for Charles' family, his rent's doubling. His rent's going from or up to $3,250, and they will be evicted because they can't afford that, regardless of what the minister wants to say. And it's their community housing fund that is enabling this stem eviction to happen. Lindsay O'Shea doesn't believe the minister's excuses, and she and other families have been forced to file Oh, an FOI to try to get some facts out of this government to learn the truth of why they're being damn evicted from their home as well. Because as we know, this government doesn't want to actually share proactively any actual meaningful information to residents. So far, BC Housing and the Minister have hidden from the media and have not responded to the FOI request. When will the Minister stop hiding all the information and give these families the documents and answers they deserve without them having to go through FOI and charge, uh, paying whatever fee this minister may have another decision note in the background waiting for. Minister. Uh, I've written two uh, separate letters outlining this to the tenants who have written to me. I've directed BC Housing to meet with them and to work with the Housing Society to make sure that tenants have this information. I did an interview yesterday with Global about this. I don't know why he's saying I'm hiding from the media. This member makes outrageous allegations that are not true. He scares families. The families have a right to return at rent geared to income. That is fair. We are doubling the number of affordable housing units on the site. That is better than they ever did. And we are redeveloping a building that is a leaky condo from 1986 in partnership with a private housing society. I don't know what the member's problem is with this, but I do know that he just apologized, and I accept it for his inaccuracies. Member for City South. Well, I mean, I can understand why renters in this province are concerned with the minister's answers because in 2017, Mr. Speaker, there was a promise of a renter's rebate of $400 a year. That same promise was made again in 2020. Neither promise has been kept. Oh, quel surprise. And, more, and as more and more people are priced out of the housing market, the pressure on renters is continuing to grow. The average rent in Vancouver is over $2,500 a month, up $356 from 2018. This is $4,272 more per year, or 16.5%. Any relief from the Premier's promise to renters is nowhere to be seen. Mr. Speaker, through you, does the Minister ever plan to keep the Premier's promise to renters. Minister. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. I'm sure the member will remember uh, when uh, the previous government allowed um, rent increases beyond the rate of inflation. I'm sure she'll remember that. She'll remember when this government changed that and that that had a meaningful impact for renters in terms of the annual rent increases they face. So that policy change, a family renting a two-bedroom apartment in Abbotsford, if the previous government was still sitting on this side, that family would be paying $750 a year more in Abbotsford. 
they'd be paying $930 more a year in, in Kelowna. They'd be paying $1,000 a year more in Burnaby. So with their rent increase policy, they would have buried families. So to hear questions now, apparently the members in favor, apparently the, the members in favor of support for renters, wouldn't it have been nice when they were sitting on this side of the house for them to have done anything for yeah. renters?